timing on the hootie hoo. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 170. Um, just a pre-warning, this is a uh, episode with some real dark subject matter um, with a friend of mine. And it's a great episode, but, you know, a lot happens to this young lady. And, you know, I don't wish this stuff on anybody, but, you know, she has a story to tell that, you know, I feel I can impact a lot of people if the right people hear it. And, um, you know, her honesty is, and and bravery is really commendable. So I hope you enjoy, and uh, let's get into the episode. We are back again. Um, this one's a very interesting one for for many reasons. Obviously, the longer I do this, um, the, the easier it becomes to find guests because people reach out to me. And uh, this is one someone who's been actually following me for a while and, and is liking what I've been doing. And, you know, you don't really know. And actually, Barisa, um, if people remember her way back when, she's a stroke survivor. Um, she, she told me at least a year ago that like, you know, just because it's not, you know, people aren't commenting and liking and maybe some things aren't as visible to you as you would like, that doesn't mean people really aren't watching or paying attention to what you're doing. And and this is like a perfect example of that because, um, you know, she reached out to me and I saw something on her post on Instagram and we just kind of started following each other, exchanged numbers, been talking and she's got a hell of a story, um, you know, and she's still going through stuff in her life to this day, and, you know, as am I, and so we've kind of come to each other at a very good time, and, um, you know, as I obviously wanted to have her on because she's, you know, she fits so many categories, but just in general, she's just been through so much, and she needs a platform to share her story, so uh, I wanted to give her that, so, yeah, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little about yourself? Sure. My name is Donna. Um, I am a survivor of a lot of things, and um, I work in the community. Um, I work I'm in the social work field, and I love helping people. And I just want to impact lives and let people know that um, there are other individuals out here who have survived certain scenarios and um, broken hurdles and uh, and just let them know that we are here and hopefully give a word that will bless somebody and keep them encouraged. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's there's so much hurt going on in the world, so much sadness, so much just negativity and just destruction that's happening when you look at all the fires. And it's like, I think you and I were talking about this the other day, like, you were talking about how there was flooding in your area as there was in mine. And it's like, why is there flooding in our area and there's fires in other, like, it's just this crazy, weird, just, I don't know, bizarro world we're in right now. And so many people are just looking to take advantage of others. Not that it's never been there before, but, um, you know, there's rumors of another shutdown COVID wise towards the end of the year. And it's like, people are panicking and it's, it's just, you know, we need more, positivity we need more people that are advocating and, and, and constantly opening people's minds to what's really going on out here because there's just so much that especially I mean when you look at social media and how quickly everyone you know when you look at the 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 algorithm and you look at the the you know 
the diagnostics from all the, the videos that you post, a lot of times you'll see that people like the average person that views your, your videos, they're like two, three seconds because people don't have that kind of, uh, they, they don't have the concept of, you know, the intention span to, to stay with, you know, something for a long period of time. And, um, you know, and so like you got to figure ways to counteract that and just be positive, but, and, and try to catch someone quickly so that they gravitate towards what you're doing. And so obviously like, you have so absolutely they're out here it's just you know it's timing it's yeah. to, you know i always say time is an illusion but timing is everything and it's just it's just timing you know it's timing yeah i mean i wouldn't have joined any of these platforms minus facebook if it wasn't for the podcast because i have to promote and uh to get myself out there for in order for people to know who i am and to you know, that there isn't even a podcast, a platform for people to even talk about the things that we talk about on here. And, um, you know, like I've been really pushing myself on TikTok because I really didn't want to do it. And, you know, I'm meeting more and more people. And it's like I just joined like last week and I'm already about 100 followers. I can just slowly grow in it. It's, I shouldn't even say slowly because it's growing quicker than any of the other platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just there's so many, especially young people that are looking for some sort of voice to kind of guide them in the right direction. Um, Because there's times where I put up posts that it's necessarily sad or, you know, I'm just talking about, you know, anxiety and things, and people are just like, oh, I really needed to hear that. And I just, I didn't even think it was even worth listening to. It was just something I was just kind of getting off my chest. But, you know, you can definitely impact people. And that's, that's for me, that's, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, because it's just, when you let your guard down, you're very honest and, you know, deep person, um, but you just haven't really, whether you, was it the courage or you just never had the right place to really be able to put it out there? Um, it's not that I, uh, the courage at all, because I, I talk, I wouldn't say it was completely courage, um, but I will give it percent, um, worried about, you know, when you're in a church and you're, you know, very active in the church and things like that, at one point in time, I was worried about what people would think. But it's gotten to the point now where certain things I'm not doing anymore, but not being the reason. The reason being is that I have to come out this bag and, you know, sometimes God don't let you move no further until you do what you're told. That's one thing, you know, so I, sh- I should have been sharing, you know, and I want to thank you on that note you know, finding you a year or so ago and following you to allow me this opportunity. But um, it's just about feeling comfortable and moving on God's time and women's time. And it's been so many people out here um, because I, my real job, you know, my real career is, uh, you know, like I said, into the social work field. So I'm coaching and I'm talking to people on a daily basis with that. And then if you look at it, the coach industry just blew up, you know, and it wasn't that I wasn't paying mentors or anything. And my mentor, he would say every day, like, listen, you're trying to make things perfect. He said it's progress over perfection. He said, you're going to be doing things for free for the rest of your life because you don't want to tell your story. You have a wonderful story. Um, I have a couple of people I've been talking to about doing a TEDx, you know, but everything is at a cost now. Mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of try to, you know, monetize is that. You know, you don't have to charge everybody for everything. There's somebody out there that had to give somebody a chance in order for everybody to be where they are at this point. You know, so I want to be one of those people to get where I'm going and make sure that I can give somebody a chance or give them a hand along the way or come and help them, console them, you know, 
to help them refocus their mind and do some new trainings, um, losing old habits and gaining new, so I can help them also get on their feet and move forward because every day is precious. And yeah, we probably do have another COVID scare coming up. I've been hearing that. I read a lot. I do believe there's something coming up. And that's why we need to be more generated towards loving one another opposed to trying to tear each other back. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and like I said, when you started telling me your story over the last you know week or so, or whatever it's been, a couple weeks, and, um, you know, she's been very positive towards me because I'm going through my own shit, but then the more she opens her mouth and to tell me all the things she's been through, like she could tell me one or two things and I'm like, wow, that's horrible. And then she keeps going and going. And it's like, Oh my God, like this poor woman just keeps going. And, and, and like, as a person who cares about people, um, you know, it's rough. Cause it's like, I don't, there's a lot of times where I go through my own crap and I, I just, I'd rather just hear everyone around me is doing well and I'm suffering, even though it's not good, but it's just how I've always been. And, you know, all the things you've gone through, like, it's just, yeah, it's just horrific because, yeah, but like, the strength that you have to keep going, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's something that I, I talk about so much is that inner strength because it, it's a quality that you just, you can't buy. It's not a quality you just develop out of nowhere. Like, you either have it or you don't. Well, thank you for that. It's uh, it's grown, my spiritual spiritual awareness. And everything has grown even more, I want to say, at a rapid speed of light. Like, you could say things back in the day when I was younger spiritually, and I wouldn't believe it. But now, especially, you know, I lost my mother, I lost my father, and then my mother, and then my brother six months later. And this was all right during the pandemic. And um, um, and it wasn't from the pandemic, but during the pandemic. And, um, you know, at that point, when you lose your mom, it's like, you know, and your dad, it's like, you know, you really tune into a sense of thinking and seeing and feeling that you've never felt in your whole life before. Yeah. And I knew at that point, I have five children. I have six grandkids now. I had five at that time, but I knew at that point it was time for me to make some changes, you know, and I, it, it wasn't about me knowing it was feeling it. And it was, I couldn't do anything without, you know, basically just God giving me this okay to do it. You know, I move on vibrations. Now I know, but the problem is when I walk in a room, because I've been through so much trauma, when I walk in a room, I detect the people automatically. I'm censoring those people with trauma because I'm so I'm empathic. So I'm so eager to want to help. And when you've been there, you also pick up people who have been through what you've been through, opposed to me walking in the room, picking up the happy vibe. You know what I mean? Which is what you want to do. I walk in and I pick up that eerie, you know, kind of negative everybody's looking at you by, you know, with the shitty face. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I learned is that that shows me whether I can be a part of that crowd or not. You know what I mean? Um, with all of the things that's gone on in my life and me having the traumatic experiences that I've had, my discernment kicks in now because I've always been so giving and loving. And then you turn around and find out like, hey, you know, everybody's not your friend. You know, so all that comes to with the trauma and just wanting to be able to reach out, lay your head on somebody's shoulder. You know, I've been going through since the age of three. And the reason why I know the timeline is because I went back and looked at um, one of the shows that I used to watch as a child it was called Charlotte's Web. Mm -hmm. And um, when I went back and looked at the timeline, I think I was explaining this to you that it was from 1971 
to 74. Well, I'm a 70s baby. So within that time span, it went off to 74. I had to at least be a year or two, two to three, because I can remember. I don't think we remember things at one, but two, three, four, you start absorbing. And so I had uh, molestation issues at that time. Um, very young, very young. My mother was never on any drugs or anything like that. She actually, from what I know, you know, parts of it had a pretty good life. She's a part of Motown. And so um, I don't know what it was because it was eight years difference between me and my brother. But she would always, like, take him and leave me, you know. And so, um, yeah, I dealt with that from the age of three. She left me with, left one of my brother's friends there with me. And he was about 14 at the time. And so um, that's where it all began. And not really, you know, holding on to that. Just as I got older and more things started to happen, more things started happening, I throw it behind me, keep it moving, throw it behind me, keep it moving. Um, one day I just sat down and started to think about the things that transpired in my life. And that's when I started putting the timeline together because I said, well, I want to write a book. You know, I did a paper in class in college and it was called uh, My Adversities. And, um, yeah, and they was like, hey, you know, with the things you've been through, you may really think about. And so that's kind of what sent me into speaking and wanting to do different engagements. But, yeah, I mean, we need somebody out here that we can really talk to. If I had somebody to talk to back then, I may have may have turned out to be a different person, you know. Yeah. Um, but Yeah, I'm really big on, like, you know, thinking about, like, how if you played your life out, like, ten times, like, how would it play out? And you really don't know, but... It's it's interesting to think about because there's 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 a couple turns you could have made one way or another, and again, it's not you shouldn't dwell on it because then you start having regrets and all that. But you know, if you start looking at your life and if this wouldn't have happened, that wouldn't have happened, and obviously, you know, you're here, so it doesn't matter. Like you should be grateful for the journey and all that, regardless of how bad it was. But sometimes it's interesting just to look at your life and go, man, like I wonder what that would have happened. That that would have been like this because I, you know, some people have brought that to me my attention where it's like well what happens like if you feel like you never took that amoxicillin that took you know end up taking your vision and going that I'm like well obviously it changes everything um but I don't know if I would have been the good person that I am to this like today maybe maybe I wouldn't but you know I mean there's a lot of things there's people that have no parents that turn out to be great people there's people that have two parents and they turn out shitty so it's like you, you can't just like assume because oh I still had my mom in my life or you know, because I had certain things, certain privileges or whatever, that just makes it okay. It's like, a, you know, it's a direct path to, to goodness. No, because I don't know, because I, I might not have been afraid of things as I was after all that. I might have went straight into drugs. Who the hell knows? I mean, I might have just been a shitty person, but it doesn't mean I would either. It's just, you know, there's a lot of moments in your life you look at and you go, damn, like, okay, that was a defining moment. That started that. That started this. And, um, you know, yeah, it's just life. Life is just such a crazy, crazy journey. It just is. Absolutely. Well, you know, in my day, it was what goes on in my house stays in my house. Right, right, right. We didn't go outside your mom's house and tell what was going on. You know what I mean? I've even shared, I, I have shared with a few people. And, you know, again, people, most people in my age bracket, it's about everybody was touched. You know what I mean? I'm going to just keep it real. Yeah. Everybody was fucked. You know what I mean? Um, it just so happened that I happened to be one of the strong ones. It didn't feel as if that every man that touched me loved me or be with me. You know, um, a lot of people, you know, think 
on the reservation. They, they're thinking like, hey, this guy, he loves me. But that's not always the case. Yeah. Um, when you suffer from trauma, you know, you want somebody to love you. Because I want to be honest. Like, I'm going to be more honest with you than I've ever fucking been. I don't even know if I know what the fuck love is. Yeah, you said that the other day. And it's it hits close to home because it's like there's a part of me that doesn't either. I mean, I do to some degree. I haven't gone. I mean, I have been a molesting or some violation I've gone through, but I know that my mom loves me. I know there, there's some there's a few people in my life that do love me, but it took a long time for me to figure out what that shit was. Um, and yeah, and, and and another thing quickly before you go back into it is just like that I brought it up to you the other day is that you know we talk about. You know, for the sake of the story, you know, I'm white and she's black. And, and you know, when you hear stereotypical things, you tend to think like, oh, molestation and pedophilia is like, oh, it's just white shit. You know, it's always been like a running joke with whatever, black comedians or white comedians or whatever. And you hear that and it's like, but you never hear that like they're like black women are always being touched and disappearing and all these things, even though it happens, you know, rampantly. It's just... It doesn't get talked about as like you said because it's you know what what goes on in the house stays in the house and that's it's it's one of those things it's just it gets buried over time because you wouldn't think it happens because no one talks about it you I mean you hear about certain things in a black community that's negative like you know maybe obesity or uh, gang violence things like that or you know lack of fatherhood and things but you don't hear you know, molestation as one that pops up and, it, you know, you being a person who went through it and know a lot of people who did, it's just another reason why you're a perfect person to have on because, you know, there's, there's not enough women, black women specifically, speaking up about it. And this is, this is the, the environment I work with every day. I, I talk to people every day who either have ideation for suicide or have actually attempted or are looking for a reason. And, and, you know, when I first started, you know, I, I catered to my, um, my people because I don't want to say clients, consumers or patients, but I catered to them so much that I didn't even use the bathroom during the day. But that's the only thing that makes me feel gratified is giving back. But there is a difference between giving back and people pleasing. And that's where I'm coming into my discernment yeah. because it's the type of person that I just will go out of my way, you know, um, to hold on. To people and show you that I'm here to, you know, get through with you. But I'm learning your journey might not be my journey. You know, um, sometimes you block people blessings, you know, and all this is, you know, it's new to learn, but you know, when you haven't had um, the love as a traditional family, as you would think, you tend to have a codependency problem. Yeah. Codependency. You get into relationships. If you're trauma bonded, you're trauma bonded. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's different. You know, that's why I said I'm not really sure. I know my mother loved me. Yeah, she told me at the end, but when did you start doing that? Um, you should have been showing me that as a kid, you know. But it all plays into, you know, becoming an adult and how we develop and are able to handle it. And I just went numb on the things that happened to me. And it's just like they never, like they never fucking stopped, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's running a marathon like it, it never stops right you know well like one of the reasons like because it, this has been so therapeutic for me um just doing this because you know it's opened up you know there's a lot of things when i first said it on here it was very tiresome and it, it wore me out like I, I was reliving it and now i can say these things 
with no shame. Um, and it helps me to help other people because if I expect you to open up, you know, I need to be able to do it myself because it becomes hypocritical. And so like one of the things you said earlier about like choosing when you go to the bathroom, it's like when, when I did get eventually get molested and, and, and went through a lot of that, there was a period of time where, I mean, I was in my teenage years, like 13, 14, and I was still maybe not 14, maybe 13, 12, 13, where I was still like my mom had to wipe me and things because I just I didn't want to go to the bathroom. And, and there was a period of time where teachers were making me sit in, you know, my shit or piss like because they wouldn't let me go. And so I just I dealt with so much trauma from adults and kids because then bullying was also within that. And so I was so afraid of everything that I didn't want to speak up because when I did, people hurt me. <clears throat> and so. You know, so I sh- I shared things like that because you know I may have shared it on here, but you and I haven't talked. We talk more about you and we talk about me, not just because whatever. That's just the direction the conversations go, I guess. Um, but I say those things so that you know, again, hopefully it makes you feel more comfortable if if you feel any kind of oddity of sharing because, um, you know, like I said, you, you you have so much to share, but you know, it the things you're sharing are rough. None of this stuff is. You know, they're none of them are good things. They're all, they suck ass. Like, this, this stuff is just rough subject matter. And, um, but, you know, one of the things I could tell you now, the more you share it, the more you're going to just be comfortable and you're just going to be, because you're already like a badass girl and you, you know, you're, you have a tough outer layer. But, you know, and, you know, you're just a strong person in general. But the more you share this stuff, obviously, this is the first step, but the more you share it, the more it's like, it's just going to bounce right off of you because that's how it was for me. And it's how for a lot of people, it's just the more you talk about it early, the beginning parts suck. It, it, it's rough. But once you hear it back and, and you, you know, not even just hearing it back, once you just get it off your chest and you know, someone eventually is going to hear this, it's like, holy shit. Okay. I did that. And then you might, you might have some, uh, you might get a little scarce towards it and, and judgmental, like, Oh man, what did I share? What did I do? And then, you hear it back and then you do it again a second time and you realize the second time it didn't affect you as much and the third time and then it's like it just becomes a part of your story and just becomes like you you just walk around going yeah okay i was molested but this is where mm-hmm. i'm at today mm-hmm. you just become strong well you know you're iconic no we haven't talked about you so you fucking blew my mind with that and let me tell you something statistically um caucasians are more um vulnerable they are more to be susceptible to molestation it's just that the black population which they call us uh, black as a shade so i say the brown population be our own but uh melanin melanated population is more um exploited sure Uh, and that's what it is and then when it comes down to it you have more um caucasians who will end up finding a foster family or somebody will take them into where you have more of it's crazy because I was just testing on this yesterday or day before yesterday. Um, it's more of with the brown community, the melanated community, they end up in foster care, you know, or they just end up out here in the street, you know. So that's kind of what the difference is. But if you come forward and you look at the news and you see different things with big people, you notice it's never a melanated person. Yeah. It's a group of, you know, white children or, um, you know, of other cultures that has been touched by this priest and it's a whole bunch of them, you know what I mean? Or been touched by this person, a whole bunch of them. And they don't come forward until they have to. I don't mind talking. I'm just introverted. I don't like for people to see my face, really. But once you start talking, I'll run my mouth. I don't have a problem with telling people what's happened with me. I just wanted to tell it to people who wanted to hear it and that it can help. 
Yeah. Because I've told so many times. You get tired of telling the shit. Oh, yeah. And then I told you to some people it sounds though I have receipts for basically almost everything that I'm we're gonna share, um, a lot of people think that it's um fiction. They don't believe, you know, that you tell the truth. I mean I pray tell it's it's not real, you know. Because just about everything that you can say I can almost relate. I've been in the streets since I was twelve, literally since I was twelve. My mother told me to get out over a man. So I've been out here a very, very, very long time. And um, yeah. So I commend you for that because again, I before I was, you know, um, working with a program called COPE, which is community outreach for psychiatric emergencies, and I would go in and do assessments inside of the EDs, which is the emergency departments of the hospital. Our men never want to discuss sexual assault, molestation, they just don't do it. And the reason why they don't share it with their significant others, especially with melanated women, is because we get mad at you and we want to call you a faggot or a bitch or a fuckboy when um, it takes a lot more for a man to open up and share. So uh, that's something that society has to grow maturity on. You know, we have to get more aware of what's going on. It's like, you know, people just don't take this seriously, you know, as it is, but mental health is at an all-time high right now. Yeah. Um, if mental health feel you got to raise, and you're making good money. Um, yeah. So yeah, you gotta, you know, ride the way. You know, you gotta ride the way. Yeah, because society, and whether black or white or any form of any color of a man, it's really weird and really hard to be a man now. Like a, a heterosexual man who you know, loves his girl and, you know, just is a strong person, but still has emotions. Like you have to have, like, there's there's like this fight between like feminine men and men that are overly, you know, with testosterone that it's like, I'm, I'm either the strongest man in the world with the biggest dick in the world, or I'm just gay. And it's like, no, like there, there's plenty, you know, we talk about all the time, but like, you know, the white and black, like there's always a gray area. The gray area is always bigger than all of it. But we like to only talk about two parts of it, and it's it's so frustrating because, yeah, I mean that that's always been a thing, especially with with black men. That there's just this bravado of of, you know, having to be a certain thing, and and then yeah, you know, the counteract the the, the opposite perspective of black women who tends to put them down, you know, again, not in all causes or all situations, but it it it, it makes it difficult, and so there's just these conversations, you know, even back to our original point of, of like pedophilia, and a lot of this stuff just goes unsaid because no one wants to have the real conversation, but so many people run around regardless of color saying I'm a real this, I'm a real that, and it's like, you know, inside they're not dealing with anything; they're just putting on a a persona, a, a face for people just to to accept them, but so many people don't even accept themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said. I I absolutely was just touching on you, touching with touching bases about that with you the other day. That you know the scenarios, last couple of scenarios I have been in. There are a lot of men who who are actively um, bisexual, mm-hmm. and they will not tell uh, women that they are bisexual. And I think it's very sad because if you are, you know a person who is saying that, hey, you know, I don't mind. I'm going to tell you everything about myself. I'm this, I'm that. And then someone puts it right in your face and you're still denying it. You're absolutely right. They're not being who they, you know, who they say they are or who they even want to be. You should give a woman the opportunity by letting them know that because there are a lot of women out here that will accept you for just who you are. 
But then you have that criteria of women that's going to say, okay, well, you know, <laughs> go ahead, you, you know, I don't want to be too profane, but you like boy pussy, so go ahead. You know, so it's just about, you know, who, you know, it's, it's, it's about how you carry yourself and how you present yourself. Because I'll stay your friend for a lifetime, but that don't mean we got to sleep together, you know. And I've lost a lot of friends because I wouldn't sleep with them. But that comes from, which a lot of people don't know, being molested at three. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't know. You know, I didn't have people call me dyke. Oh, you, did. you gay, you this. And you still didn't get it. But the reason you didn't is because I have my own issues and I got to make sure this ain't just what it is. That's just, I'm attracted by a man's mental. He has to have something mentally, wisdom, to offer me some wisdom, some knowledge, some, um, some tokens I can put in my pocket, some nuggets that I can hold on to and refer back to later. Not about the money. We can get that together. I'm one of the, I'm one of the greatest hustlers ever. Whether it's work, play, something on the side, we're going to make it happen. If it's dinner or if it's newspaper, we're going to make it happen. You know, mm-hmm. but it's just about yourself. And that's why I'm glad we're doing this because I'm not going to stay in this bag anymore. I've been in this bag. And I, my sister told me uh, a couple of months ago, she said, look, she said, when you come out this fucking bag, she said, because I don't know what you're doing. And just be yourself. She said, you would be a lot better. And that's where I am. I can't worry about the pastor. I can't worry about the people with church with. I can't worry about my kids. I can't worry about the doctor. I can't worry about the people fucking following my Facebook page or just looking just to be looking. I can't worry about that. I can't worry about the people whose faces I got on my sleeve either. Because I'm about to make y'all uncomfortable. I got to put it out there. Yeah. Idiotly. Sure. I'm tired of seeing else live and be comfortable and, and you know, just fucking living the life. And every time I see you, I got to go home and reset, you know, because I didn't take your fucking head off when I saw you or had the opportunity on lock your ass in jail. So yeah. that's where I'm at. No, yeah, let's uh, rough together, you know, shit. Yeah, you have to. And again, that's that's the thing, like, you know, dealing with this recent thing with my job where I, I told somebody off and it's like somebody pushes you enough. And, and that's the thing. Like, I, I'm always respectful of where someone comes from and what they're dealing with, especially when referring to mental health. And, and you could pick up on things if you've been through some stuff. And a lot of people, they, they don't have been, they haven't been through enough. And they, they hire people and they just expect you to be a certain way. And if you don't fall within those guidelines, you're not a good coworker. You're not, you know, you're not a good employee. And, you know, but when something bothers you, and is offensive to you and you stand up for yourself, it's like, oh, well, now he's or she is, you know, whatever, erratic or, you know, they're a misbehaving person and they do certain things and they're chaotic. And it's like, no, like you just don't understand what I've been through, and what I've, you know, had to do to, to, to stay afloat and to just keep going. And, you know, I, I've always like that's why I can be in a room be the only white guy or the only male or whatever and still be okay. Not that I'm the most confident person, but I'm not uncomfortable by, you know, differences. I'm not, I I can literally just be around whoever I've, I've, you know, especially being a white guy living in Philly and, you know, my sister being half Puerto Rican, I was in a lot of Spanish cookouts by myself, the only white person, or I've been, you know, dated black girls or, and, and been the only person at a black cookout or, or, or parties. Um, and a lot of people don't like, not just white people, but a lot of people just don't experience other cultures. They don't experience other people. So they don't understand what the differences are. And again, there are plenty of similarities that we don't like to gravitate towards. We just kind of act like we're all different, which is bullshit because there's a lot of similarities because we're all human, but Mm -hmm. you know, but we act like 
there is no differences sometimes. And it's like, no, you, you, you have to. And, and, and that's the thing. I think some, some, especially nowadays, like people are so rushing. They just want to hire anybody. They, they just want somebody like, well, I just want this, but they don't care about experience or they don't care about the morale and what they bring to the place. Um, and that's some of the things I talk about so much about people with disabilities because, you know, they don't want to hire us, but it's like, we are the most loyal people. I don't understand. Absolutely. Like we are so grateful when you give us an opportunity that we're gonna we're gonna you know bring it back tenfold for you. Um, but yeah, it's it's just like I said, it's just so it, it, these things don't get talked about enough because so many people are just afraid to have the conversation because it ends up being like a CNN Fox News type of ordeal where it's just one person blabs about their topic and the other person either just walks right through what they just said and interrupts them or lets them finish and just goes right into their thing and doesn't acknowledge any of their points, whether it was good or not. And, and, and this, this is the case with race or, or gender, all, all the, you know, whether, whether gay marriage should be legal or marijuana should be like, everybody just has a point. They're married to it and they run in that direction and they don't care what the other side has to say. They don't give a shit. And, this is why we end up being so far from each other because it's like, you know, there's, there's a period of time where you and I shouldn't be talking to each other because you're black and I'm white. Silly. Okay. But, sure. or you're, you being a woman and I'm a man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's silly shit. It makes no sense. And, you know, but a lot of that stuff now has been brought to the light that is silly. Obviously, we know that it's okay for black and white people to talk to each other or a man and a woman to talk to each other. But, there's still a lot of things on the table that we just, we act like it's so taboo and it's so weird. And it's like, no, it's weird to you, but like, this is reality for a lot of people and we need to talk. If we don't talk, it just stays the same. Absolutely. And you know, you and I could go for hours and hours. I'm just, my mind is just running because I'm thinking like, you know, you are absolutely right. You know, but the thing is too, um, with the way people are nowadays, and um, not wanting to, you know, communicate with somebody because of what they see or what they hear. You can't, the thing is, is we put everybody in a box and we shouldn't do that because you're right, there's no difference. I'm going to bleed the same blood you're going to bleed. If you get shot, the, you know, in the, with the right gun, you're going to die just like I am. You know what I mean? I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do. If, you, if you're LGBTQIA, if you're heterosexual, if you're um, bisexual, homosexual, I don't care. If you're happy, fucking be happy. Yeah. Leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. I, I don't care what you do. If I'm your friend and I love you, I love you. You know, and most people who are, I call it a, uh, I call it a um, lifestyle. You know, um, some people have a um, alternative lifestyle is what I call it. And if that's what makes you happy when they shut their door at nighttime, you're at your house. I'm in my house. They're in their house. What yeah. the fuck do we? Yeah. As long as we pay attention and do what we're supposed to and be respectful, it shouldn't matter what I do when I close my door at nighttime or who I love. I can't help who I love. Yeah. If I love them, and it's true. And a lot of people who are like that come here. People think that you turn gay overnight. No, it's, that's not how it happens. Well, you have a lot of situations where people were molested, but you and I are talking. It didn't affect me in that aspect, and it didn't affect you in that aspect. Yeah. But you have a lot of people from childhood. A lot of people that I've talked to, I've been friends with. He's like, D, look, I, I, I didn't like girls when I was a kid. I threw up because my mama made me talk to them. You know what I mean? So it just depends, you know. And that's a whole other subject because that's right, been right. going on 
or the, you know, beginning of time. Sure. So it's just about where you are maturing, you know, your maturity level, where you are in your life, where you're understanding. The other thing I wanted to piggyback on, people don't know anything because they don't go no fucking where. They won't come out the hood. They won't, co- they won't come out the hood. So they'll never understand how you feel and how you're, um, you know, feeling good in, in the skin that you're in because they've never experienced anything outside of their home or what's up the block or down seven mile. You know, I'm from Detroit. So from down seven mile or, you know, on Ontario Street in Philly, they don't know. That's all they know. And if you don't get out and smell some different air, mingle with some different people, do some different things, taste some different foods, um, explore other cultures, you'll never know anything. This is all you will know. And this is why I didn't want to get on and talk to somebody. And you're going to share it with the same people that's on my Facebook timeline. They don't give a shit. They know me from back in the day. They know me from hustling. They know me from, you know, doing big things. So they they can't see that for me. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And for real, you know what I mean? They don't don't see it where I can go to a whole nother space. Or I can talk to someone who, who, who doesn't know me in that manner and will be more receptive, which is sad to say, than the people that I've been doing all my life. Yeah. No, and, and but like, you know, you're using the, the black perspective, but I could you give you the white perspective. There's so many people in this small town that I live, they they don't go anywhere past three towns over and it's like they have they have no friends that are outside their norm people look like them. And that's why I, I always get so mad at people that are so loyal to their cultures and their communities because the reality mm-hmm. is most people that are going to fuck you over in life look just like you. And Absolutely. that's just, that's just a fact. And I don't know why people like it, but like, we want to look at each other like, Oh, well those dark people, those white people, these people are the ones that are fucking us. And I'm not saying they're not, but the people that are going to fuck you over. And when you, when you kind of average it all out and you, you do the numbers and you look at your life and you see how many people fucked you over in life and the people that fucked you over the most, yeah, there might be some white boss if you're black and he might have just discriminated against you because you have a, a, a criminal record or something or you have a tattoo on your face or some some stupid shit that he he just looked at you and said, you don't deserve this just based on the color of your skin. Sure, he's an asshole, but he didn't rape you, you know, or he, you know, he didn't steal from you. He didn't shoot at you. He didn't, you know, there's a lot of things. And that's just the black effect. But the same for white people. It's like there's so many people that do awful things to you. And, you know, they look just like you. That It's just it's, it's how it will always be. Um, before we go too far off, like the forbidden pack, can you kind of go through some of the things that have happened to you past just, you know, I, I, you started talking about when you were 12 and your mom put you out, but like from that point on, can you talk about some of the things so we can kind of go through, otherwise we're going to go into so many subject matters that we're going to forget about right. your life. Right. <laughs> well, I did want to say, you know, seven mile, eight mile, that's where Eminem come from. So right, I, right. See, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't see color. So it's, it's across the board, especially with the field I'm in. But, um. Well, from the young age, when I um, was first being touched, up until, um, yeah, my mom put me out when I was 12. But between there, I guess the flags would have been like, you know, um, I didn't get a chance to meet a lot of friends in school like most people. My mom was, um, my grandmother was um, had a very high position with the Board of Education. So my mom was like um, a lead floating secretary from school to school. My brother worked custodian and my grandmother did whatever she did. And so my mom would take me out of one school when they would transfer her. And I'm not calling her out as a bad parent. We only can, parenting doesn't come with a manual. So you just do what you know to do. And she moved me to whatever other school they would transfer her to. 
to make it, you know, easy for her to get back and forth to work. And then she had to worry about work dropping me off at school because I was in the same school that she worked at. So looking back, that makes me start to think like, okay, this is one of the reasons why you never really had friends. Because if you, if you know people who know me for many, many years, they'll tell you I only had two friends in my lifetime coming up as a kid. Yeah. That time went on, my mom um, was dating a guy before she put me out and he had a lot of children of his own. I want to say it was like 12 kids. And uh, a lot of them, they would come and spend the night to girls. And so he was also um, molesting me. Um, and I almost don't even want to say this, but, you know, his own kids too. You know, I come to find out down the line. And then I found out in later years, latter years, that my mother knew he was doing that to me. You know, so... Um, he did that for many years and then, well, not many. When you're a kid, one and a half seems like many, but he did it for like two or three years. And then when we finally moved and they broke up, uh, approaching the age 12 and a half or so, she put me out over another man. And um, I ended up going to stay with this young lady um, who was living the street life. And um, I stayed with her for quite a few years. Um between that time, I didn't really have a lot of communication with my mom, but I started dibbling and dabbling and, you know, seeing what was going on in the drug world. And I hate to say, but the people that I ran with in that life treated me better than the people that basically I dealt with on a day-to-day basis, you know. Yeah. Um, as time went on, you know, um, I had another one of my mom's boyfriends you know, actually try to have sex with me, you know, and I went over there to stay for a couple of days and I knew after that point, I probably wouldn't be able to go back over there, you know, to stay with her for anything. So I got my own place. I was 15. I got my first apartment, you know, and uh, from there, life was pretty cool. Um, I met my oldest son, father, which he uh, committed murder-suicide, Um when my son was about 15 or 16 years old. Um, and then I have a daughter. Um, her father was shot and killed right in front of me um, a few years later. Um, so that was really uh, traumatic for me as um, a young parent, you know, to be. Um, I've been through so much. I've, um, down the line, I, I had some... Um, other issues between there with people that was brought into the family um, that when I didn't have a place to stay and I would need to go over there, you know, I would be, you know, end up being in a situation where, you know, I was drinking or smoking or whatever and wake up because I smoked weed back then and wake up and somebody's on top of me. But I would never say anything because I needed a place to stay that night. When you put out at 12, I mean, what do you do? You know, um, down the line, um, <clears throat> things seem to you know, once I had my kids, I got me a place, you know, things seemed to start looking up for me because I was, you know, making pretty good money. And, you know, for a young person, I pretty much had it going on. And then here it comes again, you know, um, I was carjacked at gunpoint for 45 minutes. Um, and then the guy who carjacked me, somebody was, you know, wanted to shoot at him while he was in the truck with me. So all of this, I, I mentioned all of this because it, it tied into me having, you know, trauma and, and not doing anything about it, which has brought me to where I am now and probably brought on some ailments 
from my research and my work and what I do. I'm a cancer survivor, and I do find out that people who suffer from trauma and don't get help at a young age end up with cancer, you know, and et cetera, things, you know, that they can't totally heal. So um, it, it just comes from stress. You know, it comes from stress. But the molestation and things of that nature, you tend to sweep that under the rug, you know, and just keep moving. The abuse, I've been physically abused um, in a relationship where, you know, he just whooped my ass for breakfast, lunch, and dinner whenever he felt like it. Um, and again, that's probably what brought on some of these ailments, you know, that I have. Um, yeah, am sure. I fearful sometimes, you know? Because people know me to be such this down-to-earth, uh, she got it, I got it. You know what I mean? It's handled. You know, my word is my bond. I'm loyal. But when I get behind closed doors, it's a whole nother story. I just had another accident, so I'm in pain a lot. You know, um, I have surgeries on the table. My vision is not good. My bones are not good. I had chemotherapy, you know. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's just a lot. You know, I could go on and on and on and on about, you know, the things that have transpired with me, but what brings us here is to let people know that you can't allow these afflictions to stop your life. It's the journey. It's not the destination. It's the people you meet along the way. It's the situations you endure along the way that build you to be the person that you become. And in order to complete your assignment, you have to have these lessons along the way. If you don't have them, then you, you won't make it. Mm. And that's how, to look at it now my cup is half full and not half empty because I would stay depressed yeah no I mean yeah I always have to adjust and you know I watched that movie on Netflix called I think it's called The Good Nurse and it's just about this serial killer this guy who just kept killing people in the hospital he was a nurse and he was pretty good at what he did but he also killed people and it, it oh I saw that yeah fucking... and, and, and that's a true it. that's a true story and really? that guy killed more people than they're actually saying. But I think they, they got him for about, 20, I think it was 29 murders. But he killed more people than that. It's just because a lot of these hospitals, it's kind of like what, what, the, what the, the, the church did with a lot of these pedophiles, the priest. They would just send them to, a, like in this, in this case, they would send them to another hospital where the priest, they would just send them to another state because they didn't want to deal with the issues and they just kept letting them get away with it. And, and the point of me bringing all this up is that one woman finally worked with him and finally told on him and, and it it brought all this shit down on him and he got arrested and, and now he's you know in doing life in jail but you know if you don't speak up you know more and more could happen and and in your case a lot of it happened to you uh, obviously there was some other abuse happening to other people around you but you know the more you stayed quiet the more your life got worse you have to and this is for anybody, like regardless of whatever it is that someone is doing to you, you know, you stay quiet and you just allow people. It's, it's like the bully mentality of if you allow someone to take your lunch money and you, you just keep letting them, they're not going to stop. You're an easy target. You're just going to keep taking it. And if you if you just sit there and, and just accept that, then, you know, you're a victim and you're going to be a victim and then you're going to have a victim mentality and, you know, you're never going to gather your, your wits together and gather your inner strength and, and fight it off because, you know, and, and it's like you, you know, you've had to go through, endure so much that you did not deserve. 
Um, but at some point, again, regardless of what you deserve and don't deserve, it's like you still have to figure out, you have to be strong and you have to fight it off and you, you can't just keep taking it. And, you know, no one deserves any of this shit you went through. Um, but, it, you know, the fact that it's taken you now just to do it, like however it took you, how long it took you, you know, it's amazing because you have to, you have to for, you, for your own sanity because otherwise it's like, what are you doing to yourself? Unless you're just a glutton for punishment. You just want to be hurt. Um, which I'm sure you probably went through that phase of just, yeah, okay, screw it. I like to just, like, this is just an addictive thing of just screw it. I don't, like, hurt me. I don't I don't have any self-worth. Um, and I'm sure you were struggling with major abandonment issues from everyone who's left you. And I think that's why I don't have a problem with um, being by myself. I'm isolated on a regular basis. I isolate. When I get out, I get out. So I'm, I'm a fucking blast. Don't let me get a flight and get out of here. But for the most part, um, I'm very isolated. I told you my phone doesn't ring. I'm very particular about who I talk to. I know what I said to you. You know what I mean? Um, You could try to put, no, not directly to you, but I'm saying the people I communicate with. I know what I've said to you. So I know when it comes back, I know where it comes from. You know, Um, they take my kindness for weakness. Um, I'm not a perfect person, though. I will cut your ass out now if you push me there. But for the most part, over the last three years or so, especially since my, my mom and my dad and my brother's been gone, um, I've been really working on myself. I don't live in that building anymore. You know what I mean? I, I treat people the way I want to be treated. Not that I never did, but my delivery was more fucked up. Like, um, I felt like I was entitled, you know, um, because of my lifestyle. You know, um, I've always pretty much had, you know, I didn't say the best, but I mean, it wasn't the worst, you know, I was comfortable. And so, um, I've never had a problem with cutting you off if you hurt me or offend me, but, um, I felt entitled where I was, you know, and as my friends started, you know, um, that's amazing. They started disappearing. People were dying because I was very young, even at, you know, um, 20 people I were hanging with was probably 40. You know what I mean? So they were at least 20 years older than me. You know, so the vast majority of them are either deceased or in jail for life. You know what I mean? So you have to come to a point where you have to start loving yourself. I can't even say that I wholeheartedly, especially since cancer and having my breast removed. And I've had like seven surgeries on my breast, probably just alone. Um, And the other things is I've had it surgery on my thigh where I took my thigh and put it to my breast so you know I've had men that made fun of me like you know uh, call me AC Ducey because my breasts are uneven and I'll have a nipple on one breast you know and stuff like that and at first it used to really traumatize me I had one guy called me olive oil because I was really really small at one time um, but when, what I come to realize is when people want to hurt you and they're hurt they don't give a fuck about what they say they don't give a fuck about you about your feelings or where you been but it just takes for the tables to turn. And if they ever do trust, people need to know that comes back across their mind. You know, that you don't have to worry about going out here doing nothing to nobody. You just keep panning forward, you know, and keep faith that everything is going to be okay. Everything else is going to be about, you know. But, yeah, they talk about, you know, each other. So I know you're talking about me. But those were some of the things that also made me insecure on top of the fact that I was being taken advantage of for so long and I did tell my brother but he didn't do anything about it yeah. and then with the things that's going on with me now I won't mention everything because of litigations that I have pending but um, 
you know, it, it definitely didn't enhance the greater side of me. It, it worsened everything to the point where my quality of life right now is not even what it was on top of the disabilities. So when you start dealing with pain and you have anxiety, you got a bit of depression or whatever is going on, you know, a person can just be totally nasty because they're in pain all the time. Yeah. But if you don't know that, then you don't identify, you know. Yeah. So I, people, could, I couldn't even fathom, like, you know, making fun of somebody for their ailment. And again, we've all been in places where, we, you know, they say hurt people, hurt people. But, you know, but it's like, I don't know. I guess I just I've never been in that kind of place where I'm just like, I mean, we all joke and we made, you know, we have our fun. But like when you're actually directly talking to a person and you're pointing out something, a flaw of theirs, it's like you have to really be in a bad headspace to be doing that. Um, or yeah. or bitter because most people who have done it to me are people who either wanted to sleep with me or we were talking and they got mad or she was a friend and I found out she was you know you know sucking on a nigga I was with you know what I'm saying so it's like you know people just want to be envious but I didn't have to talk about my hair because I had that tactile tear and it took out people's hair that did never grow back so I don't really have hair across the front but I'm a G on getting my hair done with these frontals and where I was at dreads here right now. You would never know the difference. Yeah. But I asked had somebody who wanted to put a ring on my finger, though we never slept together because we didn't get that far. And then I found out he liked men. Um, he talked about me like a dog. I mean, they got on Facebook and post pictures and everything that was supposed to be me making jokes. And I was very hurt about it. Very hurt because the chemotherapy took my hair out. Right. But, you know, you have to, you have to get that thick skin. And what I'm going to do, stay in the house forever or, I was on Facebook for two years because of that. How much money did I miss? You know, so it's just you have to learn to just live every day and start loving something about yourself, you know, or you ain't going to give a fuck either. You let people run over you and just, you know, finish and finish flattening you out like a part of the carpet. You know, that's the case. I might as well have not taken chemo. I might as well let the cancer kill me. I had a type of cancer that one in every 500,000 people get. That's what I'm saying. When I do shit, I do rare stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. It don't be the normal. You know, it's like, oh, it's critical right now. One in every 500 dollars people get it. So guess what? They're normally over 62. You're at 30. I think I was 38. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no like, hey, take an Advil. You'll be, you'll get over it in a week. It doesn't happen. Right. Right. Then I've had two really bad car accidents. The first one, um, my lumbar and my cervical spine, um, well, my lumbar, mostly my cervical spine at the very um, bottom, I want to say, well, somewhere in my cervical spine was having issues and I was getting injections for many years and that was causing me issues. So on top of that, along with all the other stuff that was coming along, the cancer and, you know, falling downstairs, I didn't broke bones and then I got my ass whooped and, you know, it was always something. Um, I just had to figure out how to get up and keep moving. I, you know, this is really opening me up, us having this conversation. Cause that is a fucking, I mean, we haven't even brushed the surface. I know. I know there's some things you haven't even said. And that it's just not that you need to, it's just, that's the point. Like she, she goes, she's going through so much and continue. It's not like, you know, you're not going through anything now. Like, you know, you still are going through a shitload and, it's you know like I said that's why it's always like to me inner inner strength is such a beautiful thing because you just don't know what anyone is capable of including yourself until shit arises and then you go oh okay probably can't get through that and then you do and then you oh I can't get through this and then you just keep going and going and you're like 
there's times where I've been through some things, something will happen to me that will affect most people. And I will just look at myself and go like, like, why are you so strong? Like, why are you still like, how can you laugh? Like, why are you still going? Like, what is it about you that's going? Cause I don't, I'm not doing this intentionally. It's just a part of me that just keeps, there's just a, there's a light on in there that just, you know, keeps, it just stays on and, I, there's just no turning it off. It just keeps going, no matter what it is, no matter how fucked up I feel inside, and no matter how much I feel like giving up. There's just this one part of me that just goes, "No, nope, we're not doing it. You're you're still doing this. You're getting up. I don't care what it is your anxiety is telling you. I don't care about all the negative thoughts and you know how sad you are. I don't give a shit. You're you're getting back up for whatever reason it is. And again, those are the reasons I'm trying to. F- slowly uncover um yeah but it's like there's there's always been this part of me that just says no you're 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 getting up you know i always knew when i was a kid when i was in the hospital dying like i knew i was living for my mother and my grandmother i was living for like my family who came to visit me um but then then there was a period of time where like after high school getting into college i felt really lost and um, I felt like the only reason I was alive was my mother and my grandmother, just like mental health wise. I was maybe close to my 18, 19, 20 range. And I was only living for them because I didn't want to live anymore. I just was living because I didn't want them to find me and I didn't want them to, you know, I didn't want to hurt them. I'd rather just wait till they passed on. Well, my grandma, this is many years later. I'm 34. My grandma's 91 and my mom's 64, 65. And you know, so I, I, and the way my, you know, how long my grandma is living, my mom has her genes, like they were going to be around a good while. So, you know, I had to find other reasons to live because it was, they weren't just going to die tomorrow. Um, and yeah, it just, it, I found, you know, I remember, I I think I might've talked about it on here, but it was one day I was just in a Home Depot, I think Home Depot or Lowe's, I think it was Home Depot. And I was just in there and like, I remember just like, having this inner monologue my mom was buying like seeds for plants and things and I just like punched myself in the chest I said look you know and this was an internal conversation but I was just like either live or don't like let's just end this now or let's just go all in and let's just let's you know let's live we're either gonna live or not we're not gonna sit here and cry about not living anymore like let's Mm -hmm. just fuck it because I'm 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 tired of the inner dialogue I'm tired of doing this shit I don't want to like why and so in that, I don't know how many years, that's at least 15 years ago. Um, you know, and then I lost a really close friend who never got to tell her story. One of the, one of the podcast episodes I did do to tell her story. But, you know, I, I told her that I'd try to live for the both of us and because um, she never got to. And, um, you know, it's just there's just a lot of things that you carry along with your journey. Just, you know, the cart still starts to fill up and, you know, you're, you're doing it you're not doing it at, you don't feel as alone, even though maybe you are, you aren't, but like you, you have so much life experience and so much wisdom and, you know, you have so many experiences that you carry with you, you just become stronger. And, um, like I said, I don't, I don't, some, there's days where I don't know how I keep going. I just, I just don't because I just, there's a part of me that just won't allow me to access those, that, those documents in my head. I just, it just says, Hey, you're going to go, you're going to keep going and one day I'll figure it out. But um, and it's just, like I said, it's just inner strength. There's just something in there that I can't, I can't get rid of. Not that I want to, but it's just there and it, it's, it's just on command. <clears throat> yeah. You know, um, I was going to piggyback off of something you said. Um, 
and then something else popped in my head as, as I was thinking about that too. Um, I forgot what you were saying, but um, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And and as far as you were talking about the age of your mom and your grandmother, I was getting ready to say something about that. But it reminded me, though, you said the, the main thing that's sticking with me is, oh, I know that was right there. I've attempted suicide. That's mm-hmm. something I've never, I've never, ever told anybody that. I don't think. So maybe, I think maybe one person, I think, maybe. Yeah, I did. I was, um, I took some pills. I took a handful of uh, anesthetophetamine, which is Tylenol, um, back when, um, Back when, I want to say I was probably about 18, not even 18. I was probably about 16. I was at my house. Went over to her house and was over there staying the evening with her. Had company. I, I just remember, like, little touches of it. I don't remember what really took me there. I think because my cousin came over. And we was They was preparing for my mama party, and she talked to me like I wasn't shit, which they always did. They praised my brother and just, you know, treated me like I wasn't shit. And so her and I got into it. And she left, and I want to say my mother kind of rolled with her on that. And I ended up taking some pills. Um, she took me to Sinai Grace at the time, which I want to say was Mark Carmar. I don't know if it was Sinai Grace yet or not in um, Detroit. And they gave me like this um, charcoal stuff that they, you know, give to you to make you regurgitate the medication. And so um, I ended up doing that. And they didn't keep me, which I'm surprised. I first attempt, I, I never attempted again, but. Um, to me, it, it takes more of a stronger person to take their life. People say, you take your life, you're weak. No, it takes a stronger person for to put that gun to your head and pull that trigger. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so I've been there. I don't think I would attempt it ever again, though I have been to the point where I say, you know, today is it, you know, like, uh, you know, if I don't talk to somebody today, because I've attempted to talk to a couple people <laughs> not long ago, and not really knowing how they depended on my strength. And the minute I broke down in tears, they were like, oh, 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 we about to do that. And it really fucked me up. Mm. So I'll never go ever again with anything. But that was one of the things that I wanted to bring up. And um, what was the other one? I was just, oh, I was thinking about how the guy I was telling you my mom was with, they would only allow me to go, um, the young lady that, uh, enlightened me about what was going on. I told you that she told me my mom knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I could only like go to their house and hang out, you know, and get dropped off over there. And the brother was dating her mother. The brother of my mother's dude was dating her mom. And so um, what I found ironic about that is she located me on Facebook and I let her dangle for about a year. And though she enlightened me about what was going on with my mom, and all of this, she never once apologized for her and her brothers and them putting bottles up in my vagina and stuff like that. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. So you will come and throw the next man under the bus to make yourself feel better. You're telling me what transpired with me also transpired with you and your brothers. Um, but you never once said, you know, well, you know what, the, um, I do remember with some foul play, however you wanted to present it. You understand? You never said, well, I want to apologize for my brother. She's going to hold you down and sticking Coke bottles up in your vagina. She never said anything like that. So when she did make me angry, I did let her know. 
you know, like, you know, pretty much, bitch, you, you know, you didn't even apologize for what you did, you know. Um, I ended up paying her for stuff, a, ta- a table that she never sold to me, $500, but I ended up just saying, scratch it, you know, um, you can keep it. You came back in my life supposedly to enlighten me on something, but in the same token, you know, really you just um, protecting your own interest because you not once said what I spoke on, but you're steadily throwing darts at everybody else. You can't throw stones and hide your hand, you know. So um, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. I think back, you know, and be like, wow, you know, I thought this person really loved me. I thought this person, you know, and those, like you said, those are the main people that's hurting you. You know, and I kind of tear up because, you know, um, this girl, she's like a sister to me. And the last time I saw her prior to her reaching out to me on Facebook, she said, I remember the last time I saw you, she said you were sitting in a bedroom by the door and you were just crying. And I was asking you what was wrong. And you were telling me then that he was touching on, you know, on your, on your lady and that you didn't want to go home. I was a little girl. She's about three or four years older than I am, you know. But they would do shit like send me to the store and set me up and then the, the, the stepdaddy would be in the door when I get back, I get my ass whooped. You know what I mean? So it's like I've always been this little toy or pawn to people wherever I went, you know, because I was so accepting and so willing to, you know, want to be your friend because I wasn't getting it anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. You show a desperation for companionship. <clears throat> even if it's not in the right place, you know, you start chasing it and desiring it. And then you just, when you're not getting it from the right people, you, you start to just put out this desperation type energy and certain people will come along and will fulfill that for you. But it's not exactly how you envisioned it. Um, but yeah, I think, like I said, kind of wrapping up here because, you know, I want to kind of, positively spin this because at some point you know we say so much sadness and destruction but you know I guess we should kind of talk about like where it is you would like to go from here like what is it you see for yourself you know I don't want to do the corny like in five years but in general like you seem to know if you you seem to be able to make things happen for yourself when you're in the right headspace so um what is it that you really want to accomplish I'm with this conversation and beyond? Well, I would love to um, hopefully touch people for one that are suffering in silence. Um, the stigma of suffering in silence, is, the spectrum is very wide. Um, I would like to think that this would help somebody, even if, because, again, you have people that are never going to say anything. Um, but at least let them know that I'm out here somewhere. You can always reach out and touch me. Um, that life goes on, that there's a part of you that has to love yourself. And I want to reach people in different ways. I am supposed to, I'm going to say supposed to, um, at this point, it hasn't been etched in stone, but I have been speaking to them. I've been talking to New Era, um, they call it New Era Detroit, but they go from state to state walking through the neighborhood, checking on people. You can catch them on Instagram. Yeah, I've heard of them. Uh, Right. So I've already talked to um, Sister William, and um, we're supposed to be collabing on uh, the mental health program. 
I will come in and help do some of the mental health programs. I'm not looking for funding um, from them. Um, and that was one of the main things she seemed to really be impressed about. I, you know, she got bits and pieces of my story and uh, she was really excited. Um, and I was really even more excited because I was in tears talking to her too. I told you I cried at her. <laughs> and so I'm excited because she said they have a couple of programs where they, they get hotels for people who are homeless. And she's actually sent me a clip and they, you know, put what food and everything they need in the rooms, and they put them up for as long as they can. And so, um, that's what gratifies me. I also have a program myself. I have a website and everything where I, I'm a travel agent, travel agent as well with my own business. So I do, I help people, you know, bring themselves back to life. I'm the person people say, what do you do? I say, I help people get answers. That's who I am. I'm the, uh, what they call, I am the, um, um, Chef Ramsey, Gordon Ramsey of mental health, mm-hmm. of answers, of resources, of improvement, of encouragement, of willingness, of tenacity, of resilience. That's who I am. And I'm hoping with this, you and I didn't count each other by mistake. I'm hoping with this that I'm going to move forward and get out here and hit some platforms, which I haven't done in quite some time. I've spoke for NAACP and some other things. I've been an ambassador for the middle, one of the biggest mental health facilities here. So um, I just want to get out and talk to people. You know, I want to be reachable. I, if you need me to jump a flight and come to you and spend three days with you to help you get your environment together, get your mind right, get your mind right, get your, your uh, diet on track. You know, I'm here. I'm here. I don't want to punch a clock. I do it because I like what I do, you know, and I'm getting back into it. And, I, you know, my money is funny. But it's the minute I get the blessing. I'm reachable. I have a website. You can get on there. It'll tell you some things about me, maybe a couple of things we didn't touch on. I would love to stay in contact with people. You know, you let people know I'm out here. I'll let people know you're out here. And that's the only way we can make something happen, you know, and spread some of this love and knowledge because knowledge is power. And God only asks that we come to heaven with our dignity. So, I mean, I, I don't think I could do any more other than put myself out there. I'm authentic. I'm genuine, you know, and I hate to toot my own horn, but people like that are a rarity and I want to tell the truth and I, I, I don't I don't want to sweep anything under the rug anymore. If that's what people want to do, they, they need to come to me and you and come to you and, and you come to me and, and we, we get it out there. Like, we're here. We're here to help. People like us exist. And that's what I want people to know. You know, sky's the limit. It's all about what you think about you. That's what it is. That's what it boils down to. It's about what you think about you and how you feel about you. It's about knowing your worth. But if you don't fathom it, you can't put it together if you if you can't think clearly, or you don't have one person that'll push you forward. And right now, you're my one person, and I feel like there's nothing that I can't do with that one person behind me that I know believes in what I'm saying because we share life experiences. So I'm hoping that this broadcast will find, you know, the people that it needs to find and really help them to find what's going on and have their discernment and get their life together. And if they want to participate. Look us up. I'm willing to help. I'll come to you. Yeah. And again, another perfect example of someone who's taking all of her pain and, and turning it into something positive. And that, that's the thing that I love the most about doing this is just there's so many of us that are just we're hurting. And, you know, as you said, like you, you cry a lot. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just we can't show that for everybody because we have to be strong and we have to be strong for other people because a lot of times we tend to be the strong one in our group 
And yeah. even though there are days where we just want to just fold like a tent and, and just cry and pout and punch and throw and, but, um, but again, and, and, and we just, even though it's not like our lives are just in the greatest places, they're, you know, better than some worse than some other times in our lives, but we're, um, we're still finding ways to just help other people. And uh, that's something that I, I think sometimes gets lost because it's like, you don't understand. There's so many people that are perceived to be broken and they're the ones that are always trying to fix and help people. So, uh, you should kind of remember that out there and, you know, and if you have, if your life isn't as unfortunate as some of the the guests we've had on, including Donna or whoever, you know, be grateful. Be grateful because there's people I have had on here, and I I'm grateful for that. I don't have those ailments. I'm not making fun of it. I don't, you know, I'm not making light of it. I just I'm happy that I can do some of the things that I can do. Um, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I've been through a lot of shit, and there's things that are affecting me. Um, but I still want to give back and try to help people. So, um, absolutely. But yeah, I, this, yeah this highlights it. You and I talking, it's letting people know. And I just want people to know that don't ever think you alone. And if you feel like you're misunderstood or you're different, you know, people treat you different. You are. Everybody's uniquely made not to worry about that. That's just how society is. But just be yourself. If you could just come to be yourself, you can't worry about what goes on on the outside because you can't change it. They're going to talk about you if you will. They're going to talk about you if you're sick. They're going to talk about you if you're feeling good, if you're looking good whatever they're going to talk about you you know but you're not alone and you, you're there's nothing wrong with you everybody's uniquely made yeah for sure well i appreciate you for coming on don't hang up but we're just going to end this episode here um but i genuinely love you dearly i'm glad we've become friends and like i said i am horrified all the things and sorry that you had to go through everything you went through but um you know, let's just hope it was all for a reason and, and you're going to come out like a, a phoenix and just burst through the, you know, the scene and do all these great things that you've already started to do. You just have to land on your feet and, you know, get your health together, get your money together and all that. And But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely grateful for, for your time, so I appreciate you for coming on. I thank you for having me. And, and, and listen, you are iconic to me, so I just think we're going to do wonderful things. But thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you.